This episode of the Cinema Vention Podcast is brought to you by Rotting Wonk, RozJ001, Jack Wolf, and Wearmall 3. If you want to become one of the names listed, go support the show today at patreon.com slash wscottis1. Hi, I'm wscottis1, and I have not seen the movie Knives Out. Uh-oh, we found another movie Willie hasn't seen. This calls for an intervention. Where'd you get those goobers? Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Cinemavention podcast, where we review and discuss classic movies that I should have seen long ago. Today, we'll be discussing the movie Knives Out, which my guest has seen before. He is the founder of the Samcast Network. So good to welcome back Samuel Lewis once again to the Cinemavention podcast. How are you doing, man? Doing great. Been busy this week, so I'm glad to take some time out and talk about one of my favorite movies. Absolutely. Oh, well, yeah, no, I got I it has been pretty busy for me too, I can't lie. Um uh, but uh but I'm glad that you are here and hopefully uh hopefully your schedule isn't too busy right now either because we're going to we're going to talk about uh knives out uh and i am so excited to talk about it so let's go ahead and jump right into it so knives out is available for rent or purchase on all major internet distributors unfortunately is not available to stream in the u.s we'll do the typical song and dance to tell you go to justwatch.com if anything changes <laughs> knives out was released by lionsgate on november 27 2019 in the u.s the movie was directed by Ryan Johnson and stars Daniel Craig, Chris Evans, Anna De, Anna De Arums. I probably butchered that, sorry. Jamie Lee Curtis and Michael Shannon. The movie had a budget of $40 million and made $312 million in theaters. $312. That is, mm. that is incredible. Uh, Sam, when did you see this movie for the first time? I pretty much saw it when it came to streaming for the first time um so uh you know that period in which a movie gets done with being in theaters give it a little bit of time and then it comes to all your streaming services where you can rent it and stuff like that so i remember this one very specifically because the night that me and my parents decided to watch this movie because i was uber excited about it it will become obvious as we talk about this, why I was excited about a movie like this. Mm, mm -hmm. Um, But the night that we saw this, a massive rainstorm started. So we had the mood weather for a murder mystery. It was amazing. (laughs) Oh, that is awesome. Yeah. Because, uh, because yeah, you quickly realize that this is a, in fact, a murder mystery um, movie, but before we get into that, though, I want to talk about this uh, because there was a little bit of debate uh, amongst the audience as to whether mm. we should cover this movie. Like, why this movie in particular? And, you know, normally on Cinemavention, we cover movies that everyone has seen before and that I have not. Particularly, you know, older movies are kind of what that skews towards. You know, like, I think the uh, I think the latest movie that we've covered so far has been, like... 2005 i want to say is the is the most recent movie we've covered up until now um 
But this movie uh, is a unique departure, of course, because, you know, as I mentioned, 2019, November 2019 is when this came out. Um, And so, yeah, it only came out like three years ago. uh, Right. So, in fact, most of the people in the watch party told me they hadn't even seen the movie before either. So, like, all of us going into the watch party were kind of watching it for the very first time. Um and even and because of that, even some in the audience were telling me to not cover this because it's kind of too recent of a movie that they feel. But I kept getting told that this was the exception to the rule. And um, Sam, I'm curious, um, why do you think that this is the exception to the rule? Like, why do you think we should be covering this movie? I think some movies become instant classics almost whenever they are created to where you don't necessarily have to wait on them. Uh, Knives Out was one of those where it very much became one that you were either in the crowd that had seen it and ranted your head off about how amazing it was, or Mm -hmm. you went, I hadn't seen that. A lot of people were in the hadn't seen it category. It kind of came and went. I think there might have been some big blockbusters coming out at the exact same time it was up. I, I haven't looked to track it but like there's the foggiest of my memory thinking that that was part of it yeah um well i particularly remember this movie because of the uh winter movie draft this was in the winter yes, movie draft and like and, and i remember seeing that name and i'm like what is this movie like i don't know but then i was seeing the uh revenue come out in the box office and i was hearing people say like how great of a movie this was i'm like oh okay so this is this almost kind of came out of nowhere if you think about it right like this this was really a surprise big hit you know very much um but it's it's a nice surprise let's put yeah. it that way so. yeah absolutely so yeah and and you talk about the fact that it's like instant classics or whatever i think a more recent example that i would also turn to as well although this is a tv show is squid game squid game oh. is oh yeah I think Squid Game is one of those series that like like basically just took the internet by storm and like literally everybody has seen it now or if at least if you haven't seen it like I haven't seen it yet but I at least know the references and get the references when they come up right not mm-hmm. to mention like I've seen so many parody videos of it on YouTube and all of this stuff right so I sort of equate it to that right where like it becomes an instant classic, right? And even though it only came out three years ago, I think it still qualifies under the Cinemavention umbrella because of its, like, because of its status. Does it? Would you agree with that? Yeah, totally. Plus, I do like. Um, I have not listened to every episode of Cinemavention because there are some movies that I haven't watched yet, and I kind of like the idea of watching the movie and then listening to you guys discuss it and stuff like that. So this podcast also informs me to watch movies that I haven't watched before. Yeah. Uh, So in this case, especially with a movie like this, that a lot of people might've skipped out on because they just didn't catch it in the hype of everything else going on that winter. Right. Yeah. That, that to me, qualifies as something that should definitely be covered on Cinemavention. Just because you go, oh, no, nobody saw it. It's like, well, guess who also didn't see it? Will didn't see it. So that qualifies under our set of parameters as right. far as I'm concerned. Right, exactly. And 
speaking on that, right? Like they actually have, they actually do have two sequels planned. So apparently, oh yes, they do. Yeah. <laughs> so apparently, Netflix bought the rights to two sequels, and in fact, um, *Knives Out* two actually began filming in June of 2021. So. In in my mind, like the filming on this movie I saw came out like it started in 2018. The filming did and the movie came out like late 2019. So like I would not be surprised if we um if we see this movie come out like if not late this year, definitely sometime next year. Right. Mm. Um, And and I think this movie will get into it. I think I might go watch this movie when it comes out in theaters. Um, And. And I think the fact that there are sequels planned for this movie kind of does speak to the eventual long longevity of the franchise, you know? Totally. Yeah, because a lot of the other movies that we cover, you know, Back to the Future, Anchorman, um, Aliens, like there's a lot of movies here that are like classics and and they're classics because there's so many sequels made of them because they did so well. So... I think Knives Out is going to eventually reach a the status of those movies that I previously mentioned in like maybe 10 years time, you know? Mm. So Totally. But that's just my personal opinion. So um with that being said, let's talk about this movie because this movie does have so many layers to borrow a phrase from uh <laughs> from uh movies with Mike. Um yeah, right. <laughs> Um, and what's crazy is like, we, we talked about this earlier, like you quickly realize that it's a murder mystery movie, but I knew absolutely nothing about this movie going into it. And I, and I think that that is the best way to go about it. Right. Like we've seen murder mystery movies before, but Ryan Johnson, like just makes this one worth seeing. Like it's so good. Right. It is. It's so good. Um, he did a thing for one of those. Oh, God, I can't remember. It was a magazine. And you know how all these magazines also have YouTube channels. Right, uh, right. One of them. And for the life of me, I can't remember which one. Or I would have looked it up and provided you with this for the show notes. So people are going to have to do some Google food to figure this one out. Um but one of them occasionally has directors break apart movie scenes that they've directed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so whenever Not- Knives Out was first coming out, they had Ryan Johnson break apart one of the scenes. Uh, it's the scene when the family first gets together for the reading of the will, uh, where mm. Ransom is sitting there with his little bag of cookies and tells everyone to, here we go, you get to hear me swear again, guys. Apparently the show <laughs> likes doing it. He tells everyone to eat shit. Right. Uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> like, it's like, eat moment. shit, eat Eat shit, eat shit, definitely eat definitely, shit. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> um, and part of the thing that he mentioned was he is a huge fan of murder mysteries, particularly, and this sort of made me think, oh, no wonder I freaking love this so much. Um, he used to, and I think he said it was with his mother, watch the old A&E Perros with David Chuget, uh, which mm. I... I am utterly in love with. If you asked me to, I could have hours of conversations about those Perot mysteries. He, mm. David Suchet did every single Perot mystery that Agatha Christie ever wrote. All of them exist, you know, from beginning to end. He has shot them all at this point. Um, but Ryan Johnson watched those with, with his mother whenever he was growing up and everything, and he loved them to pieces. And you can tell he loves this genre. 
Uh, and there are definitely influences I can feel running through this movie of those specific things. And yeah. And, and perhaps is it safe to say that another inspiration could be the movie clue? A, a bit actually. Yeah. That yeah. it does have a little bit of the clue mansion in it. He, he definitely takes a lot of the tropes that us murder mystery fans love and adore. And, kind of takes the mickey out of them a little bit but at the same time uses them effectively it's this weird making fun of it but totally doing it right at the exact same time right and actually i have a lot of uh making fun of things like particularly with uh when ransom uh like keeps making fun of um oh i can't think i can't remember his name the detective oh uh, yeah uh, detective blanc. blanc yes yeah, yeah detective blanc he uh like he is even making fun of his like kind of ridiculous accent that he has like that southern accent that he has right and so the movie is like the movie is letting you know yeah we know this is a kind of ridiculous accent as well right <laughs> yeah which i wonder if he didn't come up with a detective with an accent from that perot influence because perot was belgian um sure which there was always this running gag where people would call him French and he'd have to correct them. I am Belgian, you know, and stuff like that. <laughs> but but he had the accent, you know, and stuff like that. Um, and then Ryan Johnson comes up with a southern gentleman of a detective, you know, which yeah. Daniel Craig pulls off beautifully. I'm right? sure we'll talk about, but it's like, right. Yes. Italian chef's kiss. <laughs> absolutely. No, Daniel Craig actually uh, like absolutely knocked this role out of the park. Like this was an amazing role for him. Um, talking about the cinematography, because mm. I, I do want to talk about this because it is actually incredible. Like I, I was watching a couple of uh, YouTube videos to prepare for this because um, I needed to go back and review the movie a little bit for this episode. And one of the things that kept getting brought up was the cinematography. And like you don't even really realize it in the movie because it's so good that like it's not it's not too much in your face. Right. Yeah. But like you notice it after the fact and you're like, oh, yeah, no, this is amazing. Like. It's got that ominous feeling of a murder mystery, right? Like you've got like, it's like always cloudy except for a few different moments, especially when they're at the mansion. It's always cloudy. I've noticed. Right. Yeah. And I'm sure that that was intentionally on purpose. Right. Yeah. It feels like the mansion of a man that wrote detective mysteries. <laughs> it really does. Right. And I'm, and I'm just thinking, I'm like, where did they find this mansion? Right. It's, it, but also, it's like at the beginning they show you all those like <laughs> dolls, and it's just like creepy as hell. It's like it sets the vibe already. Is like, Ugh, I don't want to be here, right? <laughs> but what's interesting, and I noticed this um, during the movie, is I did a little digging because if you look on the police cars that are there when they're investigating uh, Harlan's murder, they actually have Massachusetts police written on the cars, and and I thought, okay, did they actually shoot this in Massachusetts? And turns out they actually did. And in fact, uh, there's <laughs> a uh, Boston.com article that I'll link in the show notes uh, that goes over like the filming location for this movie. And I, I got to say, what an interesting, um, what an interesting location to film that movie in. You know, mm. um, so I mentioned uh, Harlan. Our 
I call him our unfortunate murder victim, <laughs> or mm. should I say unintentional murder victim, or yeah. like whatever. So, so are we going to talk freely about this from the very beginning, since this is kind of a spoilery podcast? I, talk about I, the I, thing I'm going to say yes. Uh, I, okay. do ha- I do have a little bit okay. of a structure, but um, but yeah, but since it's a since we're delving into spoilers, go for it. Okay. Yeah, it's it's so interesting how this movie unfolds because there there are different styles of murder mysteries and again me being the murder mystery nut, of course I'm going to have these classified in my head and stuff like that. Sure. But this this story starts under the classification of what I would call the Columbo style of murder mystery. Uh for anyone that's watched Columbo, you kind of know where I'm coming from. In Columbo, they would always show you who the murderer was. So you would know in advance. And the whole tension of Columbo was seeing our detective get there. We knew what was going on. It was just a matter of Columbo getting there. Mm -hmm. You know, which I'll admit, not my favorite style of murder mystery. So So when this instantly came up, I went, Okay, let's see how this goes. Because I was, I wasn't completely on board. I was like, "Well, dang it, I'm not going to be able to figure out the mystery." Because I love it when you get yes. to figure out the mystery along with the detective. That, right? Because I love it. Yeah, because uh, yeah, because we'll talk about it. But it's like, yeah, no, they like, and, and here's the thing: you think you have it figured out. But oh, no, no, you don't. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you do not. <laughs> That's what's so amazing about this. And we'll get to that at the end. How about that? So we'll talk a little bit. But yeah, it's right. it's interesting. When you think you know it, oh, contraire, my friend. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it starts out with, uh, of course, the uh, it starts off right away with the classic, um, you know, the housekeeper Fran discovering Harlan like dead in the um in his uh in his little den right like um and like that's what's so ironic too because we mentioned like he he was he was a murder mystery author and now this is a murder mystery about him like in real life quote unquote right Mm -hmm. and um but then it cuts to what we find out later you don't really know at the time but we 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 get we cut immediately to uh marta's family home where she's watching a murder mystery type of show on her laptop, at which, you know, 20- well, her sister is at least. Right. So. Yeah. 2019, I guess, a sign of the times, right? That she's streaming a, uh, a show on her <laughs> computer. Right. Right. I do wonder, though, like, because we don't know what that show is in particular. I wonder if it's another episode of Murder, She Wrote, because it's on the TV at Marta's house later. I but, can assure you that dialogue like that didn't come from murder. She wrote that. Hmm. I feel like they wrote that for that scene. Uh, and you it think was so? supposed to be like the most ridiculous thing possible. If someone actually did, like if that's actually the episode of a show, I may have found a murder show. I don't want to watch because that's the cheesiest dialogue I've ever heard in my <laughs> life. <laughs> yeah. Well, but later on, like it, it's so ironic because they have murder. She wrote on the TV hmm. later on in Marta's house. And um, apparently, according to some folks on uh, the Murder, She Wrote subreddit, which, by the way, is a real subreddit that exists. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, apparently, they discovered um, that the episode um, that they featured has significance to in relation to the actual Knives Out story. Now, I haven't seen any of Murder, She Wrote, so I can't speak to that. 
but I did include the uh, the Reddit thread in the show notes so that you can take a look at it. And if you are a Murder, She Wrote viewer and know the significance of that particular episode, uh, let us know. Email at cinemavention.com. I would be I would love to hear uh, about that. Because from what it's saying, it was the episode Who Threw the Barbituals in Mrs. Fletcher's Chowder was the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, given it's about chowder and we're in Massachusetts and stuff like that, that may be what they were going for. Yeah. I love how uh, you get to meet the rest of the family by the police doing interviews with them as part of the investigation, right? Like, that's how you get to know the family, mm. right, is by them doing investigations, and yeah. we find out quickly, though, that not every member of the family is a goody little two-shoes. <laughs> I, guess, I guess that's a trope of murder mystery movies, though, right? It is a little bit. That's that's definitely how, like, you would normally get to fill out your cast, like, through Perot and stuff like that. A lot of times he would interview people, and then you would find out via that how things were going and everything. Yeah, because you've got Richard cheating on his wife, Linda. You've got Joni collecting that extra $400,000 check from Harlan. you got Ransom getting left out of Harlan's will, which, of course, we find out later that the entire family has been <laughs> left out of the will, and they will go to whatever lengths it takes to get it back. <laughs> and again, we are actually getting details that during the uh, talk, the police aren't getting so we are getting filled in on things where it's the opposite of um god what's the name of that trope um unreliable narrator Mm -hmm. uh that specific trope instead we've got unreliable narrators in which the universe itself is giving us what they're being unreliable about it's it's kind of (laughs) neat yeah um you don't uh, here's the thing about ransom i mentioned him like you don't really see much else of Ransom like tor- like towards the beginning of the movie. You don't really see Ransom mm. a whole lot. By by the way, what kind of name is Ransom? By the way, like what kind well, of I name mean, it's is his, that? It's his middle name, and he likes going by it. So go figure. I guess, but I mean, <laughs> seems kind of odd when you're uh, when you're involved in you know <laughs> situations. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, but it seems like he's just here for the show. Like, that's what I thought of at first. Like, when he shows up for the will reading, he's, like, just laughing at the family. <laughs> like, you know, like, he's he's just laughing at the fact that everyone isn't getting anything from Harlan's will. But it turns out, though, that he's laughing for a very different reason, right? Mm. And yeah. We, yeah. we eventually find out, like, yeah, he may he may also be there just to, you know, make fun of the family, right? But oh, yeah. but he's got a secret agenda at hand, right? Yes. Yeah. Um here's what I don't understand though. Why would Marta go with Ransom when she's trying to get away from the family badgering her about the will? Like you know Ransom <laughs> is not the best person like like you know ahead of time he's not the best person to be around. Right. Yeah, but he's also the one not offering to theoretically cave your skull in, unlike the rest sure. of them. So sometimes beggars can't be choosers. I suppose. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Because, like, because here's the thing: like, you you literally are confessing to murdering Harland, like unintentionally, right? And like, mm. you're just giving him more information, and presumably he's gonna 
you know, like, I don't know. I just, I, I feel like if I were in that situation, I'm like, I'm not telling you anything because you're going to be a snitch, right? Like, but that's just me. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I do love that line, though, that Ransom <laughs> says to them about the investigation. <laughs> He's saying, what is this? CSI KFC. <laughs> Ransom is just a beautiful character uh, played by... Um, which Chris, because I always mix the Chris Evans. Chris Evans, yes. Yeah, yeah, Chris Evans. Yeah. I almost said Hemsworth. You know you mix the Chris's. That's stupid Marvel. Uh, <laughs> give me two Chris's to have to keep track of. Um, but yeah, Chris Evans, which I am pretty sure this is the first role that he came out in after Captain America, which mm. is beautiful because it's him going, yeah, I've been the good guy for how many years? Let's show you I can be a jerk. Mm. <laughs> Right, right. That's interesting you bring that up, too. Um, We then get introduced to Marta later. Like, we, we get introduced to Marta, and she we find out that she's Harlan's caretaker, right? And she turns out to be, like, the essential character to this movie, right? You don't really... it It's not really noticeable until... um until Marta gets investigated that she's, oh yeah, no, she is the main character here and the main protagonist. Right. Mm -hmm. And right away you get the feeling that she's the only honest person in the room. And I have a feeling that that's probably why Harlan became really good friends with her. And even went as far as to give everything in his will to her. Right. Uh It's almost like he knows what Marta and her family are going through. Right. Because he knows that, her mother is undocumented, right? Yeah. And it's almost like he wants to help her out while at the same time, like basically giving a big middle finger to his, you know, basically greedy family, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's figured out all of them have something going on with them. And at this point, he's had freaking enough. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So it's like enough's enough. And he just changes his will so that uh, so that Marta gets everything right. Hmm. Because, you know, let's be honest, like most of them are probably going to be fine, right? Like, yeah, Yeah. I think that's fair to say. Um, But we find out that um, that she pukes when someone lies and we very specifically when she lies. (laughs) Oh, is it when she lies? Okay, yes, she has a problem lying. So, Mm, okay, so yeah, she's incapable of lying, right? Yeah. And which which makes it interesting the fact that um when she's trying to cover her tracks when she talks to the investigator and to um to the police, right? She yeah. she she tells the truth but doesn't tell all of it, right? She does it exactly how Harlan instructed her to. Yeah. It, it's so amazing all of this of how he listed out, which by the way, I love how cinematically when that plan was going down Instead of him telling her how to do it and then us watching it, it was him narrating how what she was doing as she was doing it. It was a really neat way that they pulled that off where it was snapping back and forth between him instructing her what to do and her actually doing it. Even down to things like him going, and please don't make a noise, and then snap! <laughs> you know, that, it's like there were fourth wall breakers in the middle of some of them too. It was, mm. it was really good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, and and Marta is such a like you 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 fall in love with her character like so early on. Like yes. it's it's amazing, right? Like it's great how they were doing that. 
She's so good. <laughs> yeah, I know. She really is. A private investigator, <laughs> detective Benoit Blanc. Benoit Blanc. Benoit Blanc, right? Yeah. Played by James Bond himself, Daniel Craig. Like, I will say, there were a couple of things that annoyed me about his character. But <laughs> overall, I... I, I enjoyed his character a lot. Like it was, it's just a fun character, right? Like the, the only thing that really like, <laughs> the only thing that made me like frustrated sometimes was like that's that one particular scene where he's like on his, I would presume an iPod touch because like, it's not an, it's not an iPhone, right? It like, is. It's an iPod touch. I know that from experience because right. I used to use one of that. Remember before I got a cell phone, I think I was in your circle at that point before i got a cell phone i used an ipod touch all the time i've still got it sitting in my room at, in yeah. there because i'm not even though i haven't used it in like a year yeah no i've <laughs> had i yeah i got an ipod touch four and, and that was before i was I, I got the iphone and yeah no i yeah I, i'm very familiar with them as well but yeah. like but that one scene in particular where he's just like listening to his music like there's an active investigation going on. What are you doing? Well, he's waiting for her to come back from whatever she's got to pick up. What? And catch right. some tunes while you're waiting. I mean, I guess, right? I mean, but also, like, it, it kind of, it, yeah, it, it, it's it's so perfect, right? It's um, also a comedy, too. That's the part, like, you sometimes forget this is a comedy in the middle of all this yeah. because of everything going on. Like, it does everything so competently that you go, oh, that's right, the, a joke just showed up because this is a comedy, too, while we're at it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I, but I, I did enjoy R Ransom making fun of uh, the accent, but one of the other lines that I thought was so funny, right? So Marta, um, so Marta makes a comment, um when when she basically confesses to the detective that you know she did it quote unquote but accidentally mm. like she she makes a comment she says you're not much of a detective are you and i love his response was well you make a pretty lousy murderer <laughs> yeah <laughs> and i love how like i love how he knew from the very beginning that that like something was up with her but still like didn't think it was her right like yeah like he just he, he it was almost like he had a gut feeling that she was not like involved in this but is still trying to figure out um who else could have done it right mm. because it uh it, it, something that was pointed out to me after the fact i don't know if you noticed this but when the detective first um is interviewing her there's one point where he looks down at her shoes and notices the blood stain on her shoes at the yeah. very beginning. Every right? clue in this movie is there. Like watching this movie again, knowing the twist and everything, right. let me notice every single thing. And I was like, holy crap, they didn't hide any of this. All of this was right in front of your freaking face if you just noticed. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, it almost it, it almost makes you feel like an idiot because it's like I should have known that this was coming, right? <laughs> yeah, totally. But the I, best mysteries do, right? Right, so. exactly. I do enjoy uh, also him just playing one note on the piano. <laughs> He's just like dong, yeah, dong, <laughs> and it's the same note I believe too. Right? Uh huh. Yeah. And uh, I was trying to figure out what that meant. I would have to presume it was to indicate when he thought that someone was lying. 
right? Because it's it was possible. Because it was during Either- those. Inv- it was during those like interviews with the family members, right? I've always, I've thought it's either him thinking someone's lying because they were recording it, so that would be a nice. God, this is inside baseball for podcasters, but this is the only thing you know. Whenever people record on each end, and in order to sync up the audio later, you go three, two, one, clap. Right, <laughs> like, right. The, mm-hmm. like the piano could be his way of making a mark in their recording. Um, mm-hmm. Either that, or it did feel like sometimes those came whenever the people were kind of steering them off track, and that was kind of his way of going, stay focused. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so those are my two possibilities. But I think you're right more on the possibility of, oh uh, no, fib. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's like lie right there. <laughs> also, uh, you were mentioning how they were recording everything, like sign of the times. I love how um the police were recording everything on their iPhones using like the mm-hmm. voice memos app. Like that is just like yeah, perfect. Like that is totally yep. what you would expect to happen, right? Totally. Um, now. I do want to cover I do want to talk about this because I I noticed that there were some political conversations that were in this movie but oh, yeah. it wasn't overbearing right like it, it it they did not feel like they were like trying it, trying to like guilt you into anything right like it was just kind of conversations of the time almost that they were talking about right yeah it's part of the setting instead of trying to make a statement Right, exactly. Um, but yeah, we mentioned how, like, you know, Marta needs to cover up the murder because her mother is undocumented. And, like, Harlan has this, like, master plan to help her get her out of trouble, right? And it's, mm-hmm. like, it's so well thought out, right? Like, it, and, and it's, it's amazing, right? Like, yeah. I, I still don't know, like, I still don't know up until, like, later on in the movie that, the detective even knows that he or that she did that. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. it's not until like, it, it's not until, uh, it's not until he talks to, um, Harlan's mother that, that those, that that information starts to become available. Right. Yeah. And then that, that ends up coming up in a big way in that hallway scene where Michael Shannon playing Walt Thromley, just doing such a good job of just leaning on that cane and being the most menacing person. Like I've never seen someone cane act the way that he acted with that thing. It was so good. Like all Mm -hmm. of a sudden he goes from the feckless kid out of the bunch, the one that you go, Oh, he's such a pathetic one. And that's what they kind of set you up to be. Then all of a sudden he's in this dark hallway with no one else there except him and Marta. And suddenly you go, Oh no, he's, he's as dangerous as the rest of them. You know, mm-hmm. like, like that moment snaps your opinion of him completely on its end. <laughs> yeah. So, and, but yeah, so going back to the uh, political conversations for a minute too, like, so they, what's interesting is that they bring up, um, you know, at the time might still be <laughs> the case even today, right now. Like they, they, they bring up this very current issue of, you know, child immigrants being put in cages and I feel like that was I feel like that might have been such a risky move from like a movie developing perspective, because you don't know if that's still going to be the main issue like a year from now when you're filming. Right. So, like, I think for that particular part of the story, like, I think they took a very calculated risk on that 
part of the story. Uh, would you? I I I yeah, think that was plus, yeah. Plus, with it being close by, you could just literally argue. Oh no, it was set last year. If that's if that's going to be a thing that's going to get you thrown out, yeah, I can very easily just retcon that and go, yeah, this movie was set when that was a problem. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. You know. So uh, I well, in another prominent uh, way of bringing up uh, political stuff is they have uh, they have Jacob who doesn't really have, unfortunately, doesn't have whole, <laughs> a whole lot of lines in the movie, right? They call him an alt right dipshit and like, you know, basically a troll. And in fact, when the family is arguing about Marta getting everything in Harlan's will, I don't know if everyone noticed this, but uh-huh. but Jacob just casually starts streaming the whole thing on Instagram live, which is the yeah. most like hilarious thing ever. And like totally something that would happen, right? Like it's so ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like when they're talking about like the children in cages, they, they there's a particular line uh, that was just like there was one line in particular where I was just like they were talking <laughs> about a line where about an asshole and what Ger- an asshole is what Germany needed in 1930 whatever, and I'm just like, yeah, oh my that's- god, like that is. <laughs> Jeez, it's it's so good at framing how little these people know that they're arguing about, right? You know, it's it's this perfect way of going. Oh, by the way, all of these people having this argument—they're blowing it out there behind the entire time. And and by and by the way, that argument—literally every Thanksgiving dinner in America. <laughs> Mine are actually pretty good around our place, I have to admit. Although I think oh, yeah. all of us are just tired of politics at this point, to where even the even the one relative that used to be political, nah, he's given up at this point. He's like, yeah, yeah. that's even I know it's BS at this point. <laughs> yeah, it's like read the room, people. Read the room. <laughs> that's all I that's all I'm gonna say on that. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's talk about that plot twist because this plot mm. twist, unbelievable, right? And what's great is that they set it up for people like me that are huge detective fans. Uh, they set it up in the Perot style. All of the people are gathered to where we will now reveal who the murderer was. You know, that's literally how Perot would do every single one of his murder mysteries with some mm-hmm. rare exceptions. He would get all of the detectives all of the people in the room and then go, and now I will reveal who the murderer is and make a show of it. So this is technically him setting that up. Only then we get the twist. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Because you think that it's over, right? Like, cause this was what I was thinking is like, it's over. There's nowhere else to turn for Marta. Like she's just going to have to come clean and confess to the family that she unintentionally murdered Harlan. But, um, and she about and she starts to do just that, right? But then d- the detective looks at the toxology report, and it completely turns the case upside down, right? Like you wouldn't think that like a simple toxology report would would <laughs> turn everything on its heels, but it does, right? Yeah, especially with the information that's in there. 
By the way, Wikipedia mentioned that the toxology report came from Fran's weed stash. I don't remember that part in the movie. Yeah, (laughs) um, she had made a copy of it, um, and she specifically told Marta, stash, whenever she was dying. And the little scene Mm. that you mentioned where they're sitting on the little mantle um, and talking about how she's a bad murderer and he's a bad detective. Right. Her stash is on the mantle above them, and they get it out of the mantle. Oh, wow. I didn't even notice that. And then that's when they sit down with him holding the toxicology. Wow. No, I did not even notice that the first time through. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah, because she walks into the door and then goes, I just realized where the toxicology copy is. You know, because she realizes what she told her. Yeah. There you are. By the way, uh, we were talking about how, like, um, like, the detective, like, probably thought that maybe it was Marta, but then, like, quickly realized, no, it's not. I I love how, like, I love how the detective still sticks with Marta, despite the fact that she was actively destroying evidence. Like, remember when she, like, (laughs) wiped the tape of the security camera? Like, Uh she's actively destroying evidence. Like, that's evidence tampering, right? Yeah. The tension of this movie is, for the first part of it anyway, her dealing with this. And trying to get away with it. I mean, she didn't actually murder him or anything like that, but her dealing with the things that he didn't think of, because he even said to her, he said, there's bound to be things I don't think of, but I'm sure you'll be able to pull this off. You know, Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. Here's the thing that makes me like, here was the thing that made me so sad about this movie was like, Mm. it was so tragic to me that Harlan's death could have been avoided this entire time. And like, and the fact that, you know, and the fact that Marta even insisted on calling the ambulance and, you know, like literally had she done that, like Harlan would still be there. Like he like yeah. he, would, he wouldn't have died and that it was technically a suicide that he um, that he, uh, you know, that he had. Right. Like that was just so tragic to me. Right. Yep. It's rough. It's, it's one of those where you go, oh, and then immediately go, oh, you know, oh, like, no, you're, you're happy about it. But then it kicks in and you go, uh, no, I'm not happy anymore because I just realized something. <laughs> right. Um, I will say, though, at the same time, though, the, the, I because what, what you realize, too, is that, like, the medications were swapped and Marta was still giving the proper dose to Harlan because she accidentally swapped the medications herself accidentally. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is crazy. And the fact that, you know, Marta knew which one, which medication was, which like, which one instinct. was the morph was the morphine, right? Like, yeah, like you said, based on instinct, right? Like that just shows how great of a nurse she is. Right. Very much. Yeah. Yeah. That's impressive. <laughs> mm-hmm. Not only that, but the antidote is stolen. And and like that is the other thing too. Like the antidote is stolen. Like so much, so much of this is like, yeah, like th- there's so much that goes into this. Um and not only that, like Harlan's medications get swapped at the funeral again. Right? Mm-hmm. Like he instead of going to the funeral, Ransom swaps the medications again during that time to confuse them even more like that's some dedication by ransom uh, right there because ransom mentions that for i think he said a summer he was uh harlan's research partner 
mm. as it were, his research assistant. So he he knows a little bit about how this stuff goes down because he was helping grandpa. So Yeah, except if only the housekeeper Fran hadn't seen him switch the vials around and suspect foul play. Yeah, poor Fran. Yeah. Uh, Two other things I love about, like, that scene in particular when Marta... Martin beats Harlan at the uh, at the game. I, I think it's called Go, <laughs> right? Is that yes. right? Yeah. yeah, it's Go. And Harlan says, this is elder abuse. I'm going to call AARP. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> yeah, it's such a great Which, line. A shout out to Christopher. This whole cast is amazing. Right? I mean, when you saw the cast list, and it's even down to... Every single character is important in this movie. And it's like, you even have things like you've got Frank Oz, mm-hmm. as in the guy from the Muppets, Frank Oz, mm. is the guy that reads out the will. Yeah. So it's it's like all of these people, but uh, specifically Christopher Plummer in this case is Harlan Thrombey. He's only there for a small amount of the movie, right? Before then the, mur- the uh, in quotes, murder happens. Right. And he charms the daylights out of you to where you love this character in the small amount of time he's there. Right. <laughs> I will say, too, I love how his first reaction to, uh, you know, like he discovers <laughs> yeah. he's about to die to a drug uh-huh. overdose. And his first reaction is to write it down for a future book. Like that like, is. Your- so, uh, so uh, what would the symptoms be? Yeah. And uh, how long would I have? About 20 minutes, you said? Okay. Man, this would be a very good way to kill someone. <laughs> <laughs> so good, right? So good. Yeah, because that's his business. Of course that's his reaction. <laughs> right. I, And then we find out that like Detective, Detective Blanc was then hired by Ransom like, because we don't know who hires the detective in the first place. Like, he said he just got an anonymous letter, you know, coming to investigate this. And Ransom wants the detective to find out that Marta was the killer. Because, again, he suspected foul play. Like, even though the police were right all along that it was, unfortunately, a suicide, right? Like, it's technically yeah. considered a suicide because, you know, unbeknownst to him, he he didn't know that he was going to make it right. And like the fact that like it, it, they go into so much detail about like, you know, because like ransom, like hires a detective to suspect that Marta is the killer, right? Like that is, that is the whole point of hiring the detective is to frame Marta in the first yeah. place. Like they, they even explain like the mud footprints on the carpet, which you think are from Marta because you know that Marta snuck up there and went back into the house but it turns out that ransom had had before marta right and harlan's mm-hmm. mom saw it and like by the way how awesome is yes. it that harlan's mom just sitting there in the window is such a crucial part of this story the woman that this family treats so horribly like and they treat her like a freaking invalid and really, it it it's kind of hinted at, and this is kind of my way of explaining it, because um, mm-hmm. I don't think they ever go out and say it, but I catch that this is what they're throwing. Um, no, nah, the whole reason why she doesn't respond to them and doesn't really say anything, she's not gone around the bend. She's not just too old. She just doesn't want to deal with these people. So it's better to pretend you're old and can't hear them instead of 
freaking dealing with them. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. And and this is the point. Like like this entire time when they're going through this explanation, like I you could literally hear me at the watch party. I was just like, oh shit. Oh <laughs> shit. <laughs> Like, that was just my reaction the entire time. I was like, <laughs> oh, shit. You're going to have to tell me after the recording how everyone that hadn't watched it at the watch party reacted, because I genuinely want to know this. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it was absolutely amazing. Yeah, no, like, that entire explanation, like, I was just, I could not believe what I was watching. Like, it was so amazing, right? Even yeah. down to, like, the anonymous ransom note being sent to Marta, being explained by the fact that Fran was the one who sent the ransom note to ransom. And uh, then Marla or, or Marta got the note um, passed on to her from ransom thinking that, you know, okay, maybe it's detective Blanc or the police department or something like that. Right. And uh-huh. like, I, so, there's so many good layers to this. And by the way, um, the fact that Ransom rips off the um, the location and time, but still meets up with her because, you know, she's he's got to get rid of her as evidence, right? And frame her that Marta killed her as well, right? Yeah. Because he sends that email. Uh, because, it, it, by the way, it, it makes so much sense now why, uh, why he was badgering Marta to check her email so much. Yeah. Because... He sent that email via Proton Mail, I might add. Very nice attention to detail there from a security standpoint. Very, uh-huh. very nice attention to detail there. And like he sets up a time to meet uh for Fran to meet uh Marta, except Marta doesn't know that she's meeting Fran, right? Yeah. And I think and I think if I'm not mistaken, like there was one point where she almost didn't go. Um, mm. and didn't go and look in on this lead, but because she went there and because she was able to get medical help, like that's what completely like saved her, right? Because yeah. Fran was holding on just long enough for medical staff to get over there, um, and and basically that's what's that's what exonerated her, right? Yeah, Marta being Marta being a nurse. Uh, she was able to at least keep Fran alive long enough for the medical staff to grab her. Yeah. And then that will come in handy later. Right. Even Ransom going as far as to set the medical examiner's office on fire. On fire. So that it rids Marta's innocence because, yeah, that toxology report is everything. Like, thank God that uh, Fran made a copy of that toxology report because otherwise, like, it would have been so hard to prove otherwise, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, side note, by the way, I just want to point out, like, that police chase, like, could have entirely <laughs> been avoided if Ransom and Marta weren't parked so damn close that the detective could see them. <laughs> but what a police chase it was. Like, so good. I, I, normally, you have a police chase, and it's in this super car that can go 500 miles per hour while the police are trying to catch up no it's in a little beater car and they're like it's like are are you actually putting your foot on the gas i am literally flooring it (laughs) yeah it's 
It's so good. Yeah. And then she just has that quick thinking moment of slamming on the brakes. So they all go past her and give her a little bit of time. And then right. that chase through the alleyways, just so close. Yeah. So good. Yeah. And even then, it's like the detective still believes that Marta was forced to was forced into that chase scene by ransom. And mm-hmm. so like, because I was thought I because I thought, oh, well, this is the end for Marta. It's like clearly she's trying to hide something. But no, it's like he's a like, detective still doesn't think it's her even after all of that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I think that I, so that is the end of the explanation. But I think this is the final like this is what seals the cake, right? Like, so like this is yes. what seals the deal here, right? Even when Marta calls the doctor's office, fakes that Fran is alive and well to get Ransom to confess to murdering her. That was so genius of her to do, right? And that was a of the moment thing because she didn't call the office. The office called her. Right. So in the middle of this whole thing, after uh, Benoit lines all of it up for, you know, and he, he, like, he takes his jacket off, he rolls his sleeves up. It's like, it's time to get to freaking business, which I so want to see him do that in the second movie. Like, maybe that's his thing. Like, he'll take the jacket off and roll his sleeves up, and that'll be his calling card to be, Mm -hmm. it's time to solve this thing. But we'll see. We'll, we'll just see in the future. But just yeah. a suggestion, Ryan Johnson, if you haven't come up with one yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but but yeah, so he lays all of it out. And Ransom's essentially like, and you don't have any evidence for this. And what? Did I murder Fran? But apparently I didn't because she's not dead. So what are you going to do about it? Yeah, it's like, <laughs> it's like you've got attempted murder, murder, but you don't have actual murder. And I've got a good lawyer, so I can... I will be out of here and I'll show you how much of a living hell I can be to which he then like to which Marta then um, throws up on ransom, which is perfect. Right. Yeah, cause she, cause she tells him, cause she tells him um, she's alive. And then he's like, Oh, and then, and then that kind of pushes him forward to where, yeah, because she tells him alive, she goes, oh, attempted, because she's not. And then he confesses the whole damn thing. And then he's got his finger in her face. And then she does that projectile vomit, which I'm going to say as someone who survived a large part of his life in his early childhood with a very sensitive stomach, so I threw up more times than I needed to. Mm. God, they did a good job at that vomit. I uh, that That was a... That was a horrifyingly accurate thing of vomit. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. Ah, uh, interesting. Okay. Even down to size of chunks. And I know that's very graphic, <laughs> yep. but they did a good job. <laughs> that's good to know that at least they're accurate, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and like, yeah. So like, and here's the thing, like, cause like, it, like she, she throws up on him and then the police are like, Oh, she's lying about the whole thing. No, I lied about Fran being alive. She's dead. And you just confessed to her murder. And then and I have and you have and we have it recorded to which the cop is like, yep, we do. And turns around (laughs) his phone at the fact that they've been recording this whole time Uh to which Ransom's obvious response is, well, yep, I got to kill her right here and now while I have the chance, right? Because I'm screwed. Yeah. I'm I'm already screwed, so I might as well tr- 
Might as well take her out. And for a penny and for a pound, he quotes Ben. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But, and then it's like, oh no, oh no, oh no, oh no. And then turns out it was a fake, uh, it was a fake (laughs) knife, which Harlan even alluded to at the beginning of the movie that Ransom wouldn't know the difference, which is, which is absolutely accurate. (laughs) And I just love how his response Uh Like he he tries it again like two more times, realizes it's a prop knife, and he's just like, "Shit!" And then they pull him <laughs> off of her, and it's so good. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's why they titled it "Knives Out." Well, that and the fact that the detective even like when giving the family the final verdict, it's like <laughs> he was like, "You guys are a bunch like." you guys are have been so bad to her like knives out and it's like <laughs> yeah. i was just thinking of the peter griffin meme it's like oh he said it he said yeah, it. he said it <laughs> or like the or like the um leonardo dicaprio thing of him holding the beer and pointing at the television <laughs> like mm-hmm. yeah exactly I, it makes me wonder though how knives will be involved in the sequel because it's they're keeping it knives out too for the sequel so I'm curious to know how Knives will be involved in that, but we'll have to find out. I'm not sure. <laughs> they probably won't be. It's just a thing of connecting that. Hey, you like Knives Out? Here's the second one, which, you know. Yeah. <sighs> Typical I don't, Hollywood, I, I don't, guess. Yeah, because I don't think you have to do that. I mean, even the uh, current new Perot movies, which I, I give a stamp of approval. They're, they're doing some good stuff with Perot. David Chuget will always be by Perot, but... Mm-hmm. Current things doing some awesome stuff too, yeah. um, but right they did Murder on the Orient Express, but they didn't do Murder on the Orient Express two. <laughs> They're doing yeah. Death on the Nile because that's the next thing. But right. oh well, oh well. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see if knives yeah. are uh, included in the sequel here. But to top it all off, mm. the the ending scene where Marta is watching Ransom get arrested from the top of her mansion. Because, by the way, if you don't recall, like, it's her house now. It's her mansion, right? And she's drinking out of that coffee cup, my house, my rules, my coffee, the same cup that Harlan drank from at the beginning of the movie. uh, What a way to end the movie, right? Yeah. And, and apparently, by the way, that scene was conceived on the day of the shoot. Apparently, um, mm-hmm. yeah, that scene of Marta like drinking from the drinking that cup of coffee on the balcony that was conceived the day of the shoot. And it's it, it's so perfect. Right. Yeah. So good. I will um, say I, it, it, it it with the sequel coming out only um only uh o- only uh What's his name? Uh, why can't I think of his name? Dang it. The detective. The, his, the guy's oh, Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig. Thank you. Yeah. He's the only one so far that is um, that is signed on to be on the sequel. So which I think this is just us going. Yes, we are going to have more Benoit Blanc mysteries, which for me, as soon as I got done watching this movie, I looked at my parents and went, Benoit Blanc is one of my detectives now. I demand more of him. Yeah. Like, I fell in love after that. Because that, that this whole movie just made me go, I've got a new detective now. This hasn't happened in, yeah. oh, I don't know, a couple of years ago, ever since, like, Andrew Mayne came up with Jessica Blackwood. That's the last time I came up with a new detective that right. I liked. <laughs> well, 
Uh, well, but here's the thing, too. It's like, I do secretly hope that Marta returns in some capacity. I know it's going to be like a different story, it sounds like. Would be a neat reference. I do secretly hope that she does at least make a cameo or something. Like, mm. that would that would be great. But so far, yeah, like I said, the only person we know uh, is Daniel Craig. He's the only one that is signed up to do the sequel. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, and they released the cast for the sequel. I can't remember all the people in it. It was another set of, oh, this is going to be a good crew mm-hmm. <laughs> sort of thing. So these these movies are apparently going to do that, too. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, like, okay, another piece of trivia I wanted to get out, and then I want to ask you a question about the end of this scene. Okay. Uh, so going back to that scene, and there were several other ones like it, but this one I'll particularly pinpoint, the scene where Ransom shows up at the first time. Mm. That that uh, that painting is amazing, isn't it? Looks great. Oh, right? yeah. The thing about that painting is it was not done by the time they started shooting. Mm. So they had to, in some scenes, edit that painting in afterwards. Really? The scene where Ransom first comes in with that thing of cookies, that's one of the scenes that I know for sure they did that with. You cannot freaking tell. (laughs) No way. That's interesting. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. I I also remember that um, there were particular shots uh, that they did where they had to uh, – there was one – scene in particular when they uh come out of the uh when they come out of the house uh and apparently um this apparently it was told that like they actually took it off the tripod but at some point the camera swings around where that that... tripod is and so they had to digitally edit out the tripod from the scene the part the part where she's trying to get away from the family and it goes into handheld mode which is a perfect directing decision like Mm -hmm. because that shows the turmoil going on inside of her skull when it's suddenly this rough like Mm -hmm. every directing decision he makes is just amazing in this movie yeah absolutely yeah this is an amazing film like visually um visually as as well yeah like it was just amazing and uh, what what was the other thing yeah. you had? So the question I have at the end of the movie. Okay. She goes, what am I supposed to do? Because she's so nice and everything, right? She's not immediately sure. thinking, screw these people. She's like, should I help them? And he goes, well, I have my opinion, but I suspect you're going to have your opinion too. And you're just going to follow your heart. And then he gives her like a little nod and walks off, which is like the perfect way to say, see you later. Mm-hmm. And just walks off. Mm-hmm. And then she's standing there looking down on all of them, sipping that coffee mug, and they don't make it clear what she actually does. Right. I like I like to think that she goes, and maybe not in the as malicious of a way I would probably do it. And you know me, I'm not a grudge-holding person, but I would still, if someone treated me that way, go, nah, that's, that's what consequences are. You guys were bad, so have a good day, and then mm-hmm. just walk inside. What mm-hmm. do you think? What is your head cannon? Is the mm. word we use for what she did? Because right. to me, it's, they didn't get a red. Yeah, set. because at this point, it's just speculation, right? Yeah. yeah, that's an interesting point. Okay, I will say because early on in the movie, right? Well, not early on in the movie, but like during the movie, one of the family members, and I forget which one, um, 
calls uh, it's it's the daughter who um mm-hmm. who got that you know forty thousand dollar check um, the one that we thought was her friend right Meg. yeah yeah there is a particular point in that scene where marta says i will i will help pay for whatever you need like you know like she's so apologetic about the fact that she has gotten the lease or the lease the will and has n- no idea what to do with it and she like it promises like if you need money i will help you out right mm. so i would like to think that she is helping maybe not everyone but certainly a few select people if nothing else perhaps maybe all of them right because she feels like you know she just wants to help them right like because of this crazy situation right mm. And I th- Plus, she does have the publishing company now, so it's not like she won't have income coming in. <laughs> right, right. So I would say that I, if, if she is selective at all, which I don't know if she is, I would like to think that she's not. But if she, but if she is selective, she is, she is at the very least going to be selective with who she helps but she will be helping some of them out. Right. Okay. That that's, that's my personal theory on that based on a prior scene in the movie. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I think I'm, the, I'm, I'm just the vindictive one. There is this weird thing with me where as much as I am a nice person and don't hold grudges and stuff like that, I also have no sympathy for whenever someone creates their own consequences. <laughs> I, I am very much the person that goes, no, you did those actions. So now the lesson you have to learn is you, <laughs> you are responsible for it. It's like I've become people's dad. I don't know what it is, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, I'm always the one that goes, you dug that hole. Now you live in it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so, you've you've made your bed. Now you will rest you, in it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So you know that's that's my thing. So maybe maybe when I see people like characters like that that you're supposed to kind of hate, that's kind of where my brain goes. But yeah, I I think you're right. In reality, given her character and the heart she has, she's probably going to do more close to what you got what you were thinking of. Yeah. So with all of that being said, uh. Let's give our final rating of the movie. I think I know where you're going to give this. Uh, I, I think I know what rating you're going to give, Sam. What can is I it? get? Can I gain two more hands? That way I can give it four thumbs up <laughs> instead of two. <laughs> sure. Sure. <laughs> I fell in love with not only a movie. I fell in love with a universe with this mm-hmm. uh, to where I immediately wanted more. Cause this was before they had announced there was going to be a two. So this was just speculation on my part. I went, look, you're not going to be James Bond anymore. We know this next James Bond movie is going to be your last one. Please be Benoit Blanc. You, you'll be free. You can do this. And sure <laughs> enough, that looks like what he's going to be doing at least for two more movies. Yeah. So, so, yeah, I, I've fallen in love with a detective. He has gone into my pantheon of detectives, and I don't just hand that card out willy-nilly. You have to earn that from me, and mm-hmm. this movie totally earned a detective slot in my group of detectives. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, I know. And yeah, like, like I mentioned before, I think this movie is going to have like longevity for years to come. I really do. Um, 
And yeah, no, I, I, same thing. I'm giving it a massive thumbs up. Like, I totally get now why this movie did so well in the box office because after watching this movie, I'm like, okay, yep, no, I can see the hype in this now. Like, I, I get it, right? Like, this yeah. is absolutely, uh, warranted the, uh, the praise that it's getting, right? It makes me wonder though, uh, it makes me wonder though, like, with the sequels too, like, because Netflix purchased the rights to these sequels, right? Mm. So I'm curious to see like how that works distribution wise, but but otherwise, like yeah, no, like I said, I'm so excited for the sequel to come out. Um, yes, I, yeah, and like I said, it's probably going to be out like if not late this year, sometime next year, definitely for sure. Um, I think they had said something about that, and I'm just not remembering right now. Uh, like, they haven't given us an exact date, but they've given us a close-ish time. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, if um, um, if you have any more thoughts, uh, Sam, uh, do you have anything else you want to add? That's- no, I think that's it. <laughs> All right. Well, then where can we find uh, your work online? You can find me, all of my podcasts, my Let's Plays, all of that stuff over at tscn.tv. And if you want to find me on the socials and Twitch, you can find me at Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Twitch, all of those at TSCN Sam. Right on. Of course, I do a watch party for each of these movies that we review on the show. If you want to watch the movie with myself and fellow listeners, I stream it live over on Twitch, where you can find me every Wednesday and Friday night. Twitch.tv slash WScott is one is the place to go. But if you can't make it to the party, don't worry. We have the watch party available afterwards exclusively to the people who support on Patreon. Thank you to everyone who supports the show over at patreon.com slash WScott is one. You guys are keeping this show going. If you have thoughts about anything we discussed in this movie today, you can join the conversation in our Discord, discord.cinemavention.com. Send me an email, email at cinemavention.com. And if you want to see previous episodes, show notes, and a wait and a link to subscribe on your favorite pod catcher of choice, whichever that might be, go to cinemavention.com for everything. Uh, everything Cinemavention is there. Cinemavention.com. Music has been provided by Kevin McLeod over at Incompetech.com. We'll be back next week to discuss the movie Forrest Gump with Dolan Moles, and we're going to have an interesting twist on that episode, so you'll definitely want to listen to that episode. I hope you'll be there, and until then, we'll see you next time. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. (laughs) 